number of, they wrote a number of the psalms in here. So I'm actually going to start with that part, and then we'll read the psalm together. So I invite you to hear the word of the Lord. Psalm 46, for the director of music of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give away and the mountains fall into the heart of the seas, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fail. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear and he burns shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of God. For the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Will you pray with me? Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Um, Have you ever heard of the passenger break? The passenger brake. So it's this make-believe brake pedal that some people think shows up magically on the floorboard of the passenger seat when they get nervous about the driver's driving. And you can just see them sitting there, uh, clutching everything around them and just shoving their foot into the uh, dashboard, the floorboard, as if it's actually going to do something. And guess what? It doesn't do anything. It doesn't change anything with the car. I wonder, do you know somebody who likes to use the passenger brake? Hey, we're online. Why don't you take a minute to uh, tag them in the chat? Be careful if you do, because they might tag you back, and then you'll say the preacher got us in a fight. So maybe maybe not, but it's up to you. But I've got some good news to you. If you have somebody in mind that just loves to use the passenger brake, you can buy a real actual working passenger brake online and get it installed in your car. Absolutely. I found out the other day that driver's ed teachers use it all the time, and you can probably imagine why. They're brave folks getting in the car with people learning to drive. I think it's the perfect gift for uh, the control freak in your life. I think it'd be fantastic. But here's the deal. I just made a little mistake because I realized that my wife is going to be watching this and she'll have the ability to comment, and I'm about to be outed. I'm that control freak. I can't help it. Um, I'm that control freak. I I use the passenger brake. 
Okay, I use the passenger brake. And not only that, I also use the hold on to the door handle for dear life maneuver. Anybody else? That's me. I am an expert at the if I tilt my body, the car will turn with my body weight procedure. I do them all. Doesn't do anything. It just gives me this illusion of control. And I like to be in control. Apparently, I'm willing to settle for the illusion of control. And as we think about our lives, it's not just the the fun ways in which we uh, try to maneuver a car from the passenger side, but I wonder if you can think about ways that people give themselves the illusion of control when they have none. I can think of so many for myself. I wonder if you can think of any. What happens when that illusion gets taken away? What happens when we are at the mercy of forces outside of our, our control? I know what it feels like for me. I think it, maybe it feels a little different for everybody, but I think it feels in the big picture like fear, like fear. We're learning a bit about not being in control right now, aren't we? What are we afraid of? What are our fears? You know, Psalm 46, it's one of my favorites. It's got that classic line that I hope, I hope speaks to you, be still and know that I am God. But before it gets that far, Psalm 46 sets a frightening scene. Everything is falling apart in the world, according to Psalm 46. The sons of Korah, the writers of this psalm, are having just a horrible time. The mountains, for example, quake, and they're falling into the roaring sea. Do you, you hear that uh, destructive imagery? And then not only that, but the earth is falling out from underneath their feet. The last thing that you would think that you would need to worry about is the ground not being there. It's always been there. It's just there. But if you've ever accidentally taken a wrong step off of a staircase, you know how terrifying it can be for the ground to suddenly be taken away and not be where you expect it to be. But so the, the earth is, is falling apart, but then if you look down at verse 6, it's not only creation, but listen to this. The nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. That's a, altogether a terrifying situation, isn't it? Do you know what we cannot control? We cannot control the earth and the mountains. We cannot control kingdoms and their rise and their fall. We cannot control the nations that provide our stability. You and I, we just can't control them. And I wish you knew how hard it is to admit that. But what happens when those things fall apart around us? When the stock market plummets? When everything shuts down? when we're isolated from other people. All I can think is, can I please get a passenger break? Can I, can I stop this car now? Well, there might be some quaking and shaking in Psalm 46, but it opens with a strong word. Look at verses 1 and 2. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Wow, that's a bold thing. We will not fear. 
Sounds like some tough folks wrote this. <laughs> uh, we're not going to be afraid. It looks like the sons of Korah were a bunch of tough guys, huh? The world is literally falling apart around them, and they're saying, eh, we're not afraid. We're not afraid of this. How can they do that? It's not as easy as just saying, don't be afraid. That's like saying, don't be hungry when you haven't eaten for a few days. It, it's a little more complicated than that. Can they do that because they're stronger than I am? Are they more courageous than the rest of us? No. It's because they place their trust not in things that can be shaken and fall, but in the one who can never be shaken. They've placed their trust in God. The ground may shake and everything may fall apart, but the God who created all things has power over all things. Psalm 46 describes this world that's falling apart, but it proclaims above all things that God is more powerful than the quaking mountains. Take a look at your Bibles for a second. Compare verse 3 and verse 4. They both Talk about water. They portray God as so powerful that he turns the roaring waters of the earlier verse into a river that doesn't roar and destroy, but this river makes glad the city of God. That's the power of God to take everything that seems out of control and show that he has it in control. Look also, take a look at um, God's power in verses 4 and 5. And what you see in verse 4 is, and, and the top part of this psalm is that every, the ground is falling apart. But then you see that a gorgeous city stands firmly on the ground that was once shaking and surging. And the roaring waters that swallowed up the mountains, well, they are now serene streams that don't destroy, but they nourish the city. Now, that's not all. Look at the differences on verse 6 and verse 9. There's talk of the nations and the conflicts and what God does. Listen, the nations are in an uproar, but God abolishes war and its weapons once and for all. You can see that God takes the out of control and shows that he has power over it. That he not only says, I'm more powerful than you, but I will transform the chaos into life. I will transform the chaos and the destruction into serenity and peace and goodness into a place where I will dwell. Somebody put an amen in the chat. I don't know if you know this, but we say amen sometimes out loud at the Glenville United Methodist Church. Sometimes we also nod very quietly, and you can do that too. But you know what? We're not done with the beauty of this psalm yet. The psalmists show us all this transformation, but now look at verse 10. You're going to notice that everything changes. It's, it's now I language in quotations, because in verse 10, God's voice breaks into the psalm. All of a sudden, God speaks up. And the psalmists want to make sure that we know that God's voice can be heard over the quaking of the mountain and the roar of the seas and the uproar of war. 
God's voice speaks over those things in the text itself, and God proclaims, and he calls, he says this, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And everything kind of stops. When the world is falling and chaos breaks out with an explosive roar, God's voice commands the churning waters, be still. And they are. And the quaking earth, be still. And it is. And the warring nations, be still. And they are. And God shouts over the chaos of our souls. My children, be still and know that I am God. And the roar of chaos becomes a mere whisper in the background of the loving voice of God who is all-powerful, all-loving, all-in-control and transforms chaos into life. God is God and everything else is not. I am not. You are not. This earth is not. The earth may quake, but God will never be moved. Fury may sound, but God will not be silent. Things may fall apart, but God will never fail. And this, my friends, is the hope of our faith that transcends any circumstances outside of our control. It's this, that above all things, God wins, that God has the victory, and God makes all things new. Psalm 46 testifies that God is with us in the middle of all of the things that we go through. God is ever-present. I love that, that the, the opening verse says, God is ever-present as a help in our time of trouble. Never far, ever-present. He is our fortress, our refuge. We take safety in him. We find refuge in him. And so, with all of that deep in their souls, the psalm, the writers of the psalm declare, we will not fear. You see, these sons of Korah who wrote this, they didn't, they didn't come to the place of saying, I'm not going to fear when everything's falling apart, simply by putting on a brave face. <laughs> the exteriors of, of our demeanor, they don't, they don't often affect what happens in our heart. They didn't come to the place where they could proclaim we will not fear by simply acting tough because people expected them to. No, no. They say boldly we will not fear because they've let go of control and they've placed their entire trust in God. And no matter what, they know that they are safe in God's hands. My friends, we, we're not in control right now. But the truth is that we never really were. We are not the ones in control. We can hit the passenger brake all we want, but we're not the ones in the driver's seat. But I also want to tell you this. Neither is the virus or the stock market. I'm not in the driver's seat. You're not in the driver's seat. God is in the driver's seat. 
And somewhere, a Carrie Underwood fan shouts, Jesus, take the wheel. (laughs) When we realize that we're not in control, we actually have a kind of a graceful, blessed moment because we can discover two things. When we are not in control, we discover the places in our heart where our faith has taken deep root. Because without all of the trappings and the things that make us feel like we've got it together, when our faith is deep, our trust in God leads us to courage. But the opposite is also true. When we realize that we're not in control, we can also realize the parts of our hearts that we haven't yet given to God in trust. And those are places where fear can take root. And we actually have a call, I believe, in this time not just to observe what's going on around us, but to actually take the opportunity to say, God, in this time, when things are different, will you work in my heart by grace? I want to have deeper faith. So I want to encourage you sometime this week, take some time to be still. Take a break from trying to find toilet paper on the grocery store shelves and sit with God. Let him strengthen and protect you. Listen to his voice as he calls down your fear and your anxieties. Pray the words of this psalm. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. And then pray them until God makes them true within you. And I want you to know that as we're walking through this season and seeking God's goodness, I want you to know that you're not alone. I know that we are social distancing for the sake of others. And it can feel pretty lonely, but we're not alone because we're surrounded by God's people in spirit. And we also seek to reach out to one another to encourage one another, to pray for you and to to be with you in spirit over the phone, online. Let me give you some examples. This past Wednesday, we held our first Facebook Live study and sandwich event. I had never done a live stream before, so everybody's real patient with me. Uh, It was really great because we had 29 accounts logged in for the study, and that represents with the number of people in different households, maybe 40 different people that were there. And I want to share with you a couple of things that they heard God speaking to them in their stillness this week. In fact, I don't just want to tell you, I want to speak them over you as if they are prayers for you from our church community. Judy said, God is still in control. Even in the darkness, there's light, Lynette brought to the table. Elizabeth wrote, he is here. God is our victory. Clarissa, one of our soon-to-be graduates. She said, through deep waters, he still walks with me. Sharon said that God was telling her and all of God's people, turn to me, do not be afraid. And Carlene, with maybe a little dose of the Holy Spirit, echoed the passage we're reading today and said, be still and know that I am God. These are words for you. These are blessings from God shared by the people of God. We can be a blessing to people when we place our trust in God. And I hope that those words blessed you. And I've got one more to share. We had such a good time on the the live stream. Neil, he shared a word about being a blessing. He said, God has been saying 
what are you going to do for the least of these? Wow. What are you going to do for the least of these? Now, we may not be able to come to the church building today, but we are still the church. Remember, the church is not a place that we go, but the people that we are. We are the hands and feet of Christ, and our mission has not changed. And from wherever you are, you can be a source of life and healing for someone. Pray for people. Pray for them. Show your neighbors what it looks like to trust in God fearlessly. Protect the vulnerable by following the advice of our leaders. Call somebody. Text them. Email them. Make sure to make a special personal contact. Think about people that you might know that may not have as much social contact as you do and reach out. How about this? Be a porch angel. A porch angel. That doesn't mean that you sit there like a statue and stand there and act like an angel. It means, why don't you see if you can offer to drop off some groceries or some needed items off on somebody's porch when they need them? Because some people won't be able to go out at all. Maybe you want to be a porch angel, or maybe you need one. I want you to reach out to me this week so I can help you. I want you to also consider the poor and the homeless in our community. How can we serve them? We're not the only ones that have things going on out of our control. It's the whole world. And Christ calls us to love everyone from the least of these to the one who has more than they could ever need. You know, we can do the same thing that the sons of Korah have done for us this morning. We can do it for others. We can encourage one another to listen for the voice of God instead of the roar of the world. God is our refuge and strength. And therefore, we will not be afraid in times of trouble. My friends, I pray that the Holy Spirit will fill you with a profound spiritual knowledge that God can strengthen you and be your refuge. I pray that as God strengthens your spirit, you'll be able to pray this psalm with assurance and greater confidence and growing conviction as you, God calls down the fear in your life and you step forward in the courage that only God can bring. Our confidence in the Lord is not only a wonderful salve for our souls, but it is a powerful witness to the world in anxious times. Will you pray with me? Father, we're so thankful for the words that were shared by so many in the history of the scripture. And I pray over all of us now that you would show us that you are our protector and our refuge. And for whoever right now is feeling that particular need, speak to them, God. Minister to them in this moment. And open our eyes and fill us with compassion for those around us that we might seek their well-being and reach out in service to them in the world. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I want to invite you in this moment, if you've heard God speaking to you, a word of encouragement, a word of grace, or to call you into a deeper relationship with him, I want to encourage you to respond right where you are. Feel free, if you've heard God speak to you, to share that in the chat. But why don't we take a moment as we sing our hymn of invitation for you to bring all of that to God and open your heart for him to minister to you just how you need. 
So my friends, we're going to join together in singing, Be Still My Soul. And I invite you to open your heart as the Spirit leads you.